This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Feather and Fur segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Join me, Brad Hurlebus, as we sit around the campfire with this week's special guest to talk hunting, dogs, traditions, and all things outdoors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Feather and Fur Podcast. I am Brad Hurlbus, and today we have Nelson Ryan from Southern Mud Sports and Southern Light LED, so we're just going to bring him right in. Hey. Nelson, appreciate you being on the show, man. I'm real excited for this one. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, so I guess we're just going to jump right into it. I mean, you're the owner of Southern Mud Sports and Southern Light LED, right? That's correct. Yep. Yes, That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, so it started with Southern Light LED, correct? That's correct. Yeah, about that, eight years ago. Oh, so you got some time in. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. So um, I know you guys offer like duck hunting light packages, bow fishing light packages. I think you have some off-road stuff too, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, we started cool. back in uh, doing off-road packages from the beginning pretty much. All right. So you started in the off-road side. So was that for racing or is that just for um, just anybody going out like UTVs, trucks, that type of thing? Yeah, it's pretty much off-road. Um, Got it. Basically what uh, we found out in the beginning was rigid or big companies like that were using older technology, keeping it around for several years. And we kind of stepped in there with the, you know, latest and greatest lumen per watt. Um for you know for your money so basically what uh we realized the big companies weren't providing the latest technology they you were 
more or less buying a three or four year old iPhone where we could offer you the latest and greatest iPhone. Makes sense. You saw you saw a little sliver in that market and you took it. Like, yep. Yeah. I mean, absolute technology is where it's at. And if you can provide better light for the same price, it's, it's a no brainer. Yep. Exactly. That's what we did. So was that an, on the racing side of things then? No, no. Well, it started okay. duck, um, duck hunting. Um, that it, was our, our first product was a duck boat light. And I'll never forget when we introduced it. It was uh, kind of tried to design it. I used to be a um, custom home builder, licensed contractor here in the state of Alabama. And we had the 08, we had the housing market crash. So I started searching for other things to do. Um, you know, with my time, um, there were sure. no clients, there was no lending, there was absolutely nothing going on. Luckily, we were on the custom side of it. So we didn't have, you know, 50 houses out there sitting that we couldn't sell. So right. we had the better end of the deal. But still, we had to find something to do, you know, provide for my family and such. So started researching, I was a big duck hunter at that time, uh, had been several instances where uh, certain things happened in, you know, uh, navigating our boats, you know, in Arkansas, that's where I hunt a lot. It's been spent most, most of my hunting time uh, and saw the need that, you know, hey, LEDs are fresh on the market. There's got to be a way to produce a product that, you know, people can run like you run a car without having to hold a handheld spotlight. That was the big sure. thing we did back then was a you know, manual wow. handheld spotlight. 12 volt cigarette lighter adapter, not even LED, just one million candle power. Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we did. And we uh, basically kind of tested products. And the biggest obstacle was everything was linear. You know, how you drive a vehicle, it's always the same, you know, more or less same uh, plane on a road. Sure. And we needed something that would adjust for bow rise, different weight capacities in the boat. So we started testing different lenses and realized that actually running the LED through a lens, you can actually control the projection rather than a typical halogen. They cast it into a um, reflector and then project it out. So it's kind of totally different concept. Well, a lot of the big companies were doing the opposite. Sure. Um, carrying halogen technology and LED and it just didn't work. You couldn't control the light as well. So that's where we had to spent a year, two years, almost two years perfecting a certain light and introduced it and it absolutely exploded from there. Nice. It's not, I mean, that's gotta, that's gotta feel great. Like to take the technology that's out there and be like, this is backwards. Like you can control it with the lens and then completely spin the, everything 360 degrees and offer something no one else could in it. And then it takes off like that. That's yep. it right there. I mean, that's the American dream basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you, you put the time in and definitely have, uh, I guess your family behind you and everything. And it, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you can pretty much do anything. That's all. That's, that's, that's one of those stories where it's like, okay, uh, that, it just shows you that, like, like you said, hard work pays off. Right. I mean, yep. It yep. took a little, it took some ingenuity, ingenuity and it, you saw a little, little market gap where you're like, yeah, I can make this better. And you, and you just ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. The waterfowl market in itself is a, actually a small industry. I mean, if you're oh, in yeah. the waterfowl industry, you think it's huge, but really it's, <laughs> I think maybe 900,000 people. I mean, it's barely a million people just that even waterfowl hunt. So compared to deer hunting and the other sports, it's really small fishing and such. So, Right. Um, 
it uh but once we got into it got to know all the people and you know build the trust of people and they knew they could come to us for the best product um you know we've kept that reputation through the years and have man we've had people you know 10 boats down the line that have continued just to keep buying our product that's all i mean repeat customers it says everything about it because it says you have first you have a good product and then you have to have good customer service because even if you have a good product and you have one like a one percent failure rate if you don't have the customer service to back it that spreads like wildfire it does social media nowadays has really eliminated some of the competition that's for sure so, <laughs> um it doesn't uh we're very very blessed we haven't had uh any bad customers in that aspect you know we've really tried i mean that's what we try to do i mean people slip through the cracks but you right. know that's my number one goal i preached to all my employees you know the customer i still do a hundred percent of any of the warranty stuff myself because oh, nice. you know i want to be hands-on with people that are having the problems because i've been there i've been out in the middle of nowhere and not have something work and i know the frustration and i know what it you know people spend money for a good product they expect you know the service to be behind that product also so that's uh my biggest pet peeve is you know i don't really trust anybody dealing with that side of it i want to deal with it myself that way i mean i've called people up on a sunday afternoon and you know tried to work them through stuff because i know how sure. frustrated they could be at the camp far off not able to get the tools and all that so yeah that's that's my biggest pet peeve is customer service and i mean that says a lot i mean that's real that's reassuring too for anybody that's listening that's like kind of on the fence or i mean if you have a problem you're working it out with the owner of the company he's still that involved i mean that says a lot right there that it's not you're not working with some giant corporation or anything like that i mean it's small business and and customer services first and which obviously if you're the one handling all the warranty stuff it is that says a ton right there yeah yeah that's uh and we plan on keeping that i mean as long as i own the company i'd rather it stay smaller than you know, grow enormous and lose that customer service base. I mean, I actually enjoy communicating with the customers. I'm, you know, extremely knowledgeable with boats and areas all across the country to where, you know, I can direct them to a specific product or save them a whole bunch of money because they really don't need exactly what they were about to buy. So sure. um, I'm there all the time, you know, hands on. And I mean, most of your, you know, your best companies in the, you know, outdoor industry or, those type companies that, you know, the owner is actually hands on. Yep. Still involved, still driving the company, still making the big, make, not making just big decisions, but there for like the daily small decisions that can make all the difference in how a company operates overall. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We have a bunch invested in it. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely, you know, uh, something, I mean, it's, I kind of consider it my baby and, um, uh, I just, you know, love to see how it just grows from year to year and we get to meet new people. I mean, people I never dreamed of meeting, you know, across the sure. country. So it's, sure. uh, we, we, I absolutely love it. So from the duck lights, I know, where, where did that morph into then? You got your first duck light on the market. Did that, did you carry on with duck hunting still, or did you kind of like morph into different, cause I know you have bow fishing lights as well. Like, was that all in progressions? Well, first we started with a duck boat light and we released it. I'll never forget. And um, we released a promo video. YouTube was still kind of, you know, small sure. um, and quickly learned, you know, how powerful YouTube can be. Um, 
did a video and man, it just started sharing like crazy and people started ordering. We had an online site. I mean, we were all new to this. We did everything hands-on um, sure. our website and everything today. I mean, we still, I mean, all our graphics, photos, everything we do hands-on um, ourselves. But anyways, so started that in doing all the duck boat and research um, on diode technology and everything. And I've been in electronics since I was a little kid. I was the one doing everybody's radios and everything in town and sure. their new vehicles and stuff. But uh, re started researching that and found some of the biggest companies that were out there were producing um, an inferior product. Uh, I guess not inferior, but it was old technology. Right. Um, the lumen per watt barrier is basically for one watt, how many lumens, you know, that diode can produce. Well, about every six months, that barrier's broken. So a lot of people get confused and compare wattage um, to how bright something is. And it's exactly opposite. Ours is less watts, but it's actually more lumens per watt. So you're sure. getting less power draw, but brighter light. Um, well, we started noticing that all the companies kind of just stayed stagnant. They were producing such mass quantities. They had to sell and sell and sell that till they kind of ran out. It wasn't easy for them to rotate their boards and stay up to date with technology. So we started traveling all across the country doing shows and uh, going face to face to these big off road stores and everything and um, showing them our light bars that we had developed with the, the diodes and everything. And we would hand them a little bitty eight inch. I would never forget, but uh, we would hand them an eight inch and they're like, what do you want me to do with this? And, they would have, you know, a big store with a big, you know, 50 inch curved light sure. bar. And I was like, well, you just go out tonight and you take that eight inch and then take that 50 inch and you go out and turn them both on. And I said, you'll call me back tomorrow. And sure enough, I mean, in the middle of the night, they had people calling me like, what in the world is going on? Like, how are you, you doing this? Right. Well, how did you figure this one out? Like, like yeah. how is this little light putting out more lumens and drawing less power? Like, it's magic. Is there magic yeah. in the box? <laughs> Yeah. So we basically, you know, explained. I said, well, you know, everything I said and told you today, I said, it's true. I said, you can offer your customers the brightest and guarantee it. They can go out and, you know, show all their friends when they have their huge trucks with all those lights and they have a little bitty one and theirs is brighter. And uh, that's pretty much what, you know, happened. It, the dealers saw the return business of everybody coming back in. And then on the other hand, we had, um, they had the correspondence and questions they could direct straight to the manufacturer rather than dealing with a big box distributor. Sure. They really couldn't answer any of their questions. Um, so that's how we kind of got into the off-road side of it also. Nice. Nice. And then that just continued on and kept growing. Yeah. Yep. Kept, kept getting bigger. Um, Another competitor um, was real big. I've been a big bow fisherman for many years. Um, used to do the old Muzzy Classics back when they had them here in Alabama. And now it's absolutely exploded. Tournaments are all over the country. Yeah, um, it's crazy, that it's kind crazy of used what bow fishing has become. Like that's a whole nother market that's just exploding as well. Yeah. So there were some two big leaders, really one big leader in that market. And they kind of dabbled in the duck hunting market a little bit. But I quickly took that over. Well, I kind of sat back and said, well, they're kind of, you know, they're doing that. I'll stay focused on the duck hunting and off-road. 
Well, I started seeing the pattern where they started doing the same thing every year. It was the same exact technology. They were not changing sure. anything. So I stepped in there with a product that was, you know, half the size, um, a quarter of the watts, and it was just blowing their stuff away. So then we quickly, you know, had guides, outfitters all across the country, you know, want our products as for, for our bow fishing also. I mean, and for the people out there that don't bow fish and have never set up a bow fishing boat, what draw is huge because you're trying to get as many lights on that boat as you can to light up as big of an area as you can. And, there, and you're always have some sort of, I mean, you're always limited by a generator or if you're trying to run them on 12 volts, if you're like battery capacity, however you want to set your boat up. I mean, guys, like all the guys I know with bow fishing rates, they absolutely brag how many watts they got. I mean, that's a big, that's a big thing for them. So for you to be able right. to make a brighter light smaller. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And draw less water. I mean, that's huge for those guys. Yeah, yeah. Especially the commercial people and stuff that do it, you know, 300 days a year. Sure. Um, going out night after night. And that's kind of really where you can tell the difference is the companies, you know, anybody can go buy Amazon Light or whatever and bolt it on. But, um, you know, it's not going to last. It's not going to be bright. It's you, you're going to, you know you're not going to see as deep water penetration and pigment in the water and specific Kelvin of the light is so crucial to, you know, penetrating the water. It's, we've done a lot of tests with, you know, the professionals and changing a lot of things to get their feedback and actually design a product that, you know, we can guarantee it's going to be brighter. It's going to perform better than anything else in the country. Sure. I mean, and and, and that brings up another valid point. It's not about just how bright it is when you're trying to see in the water. I mean, you got to be able to, pen, like you said, penetrate that water. I mean, it doesn't matter what the clarity. I mean, obviously, clarity has a fact in how far you can see always. But, I mean, yeah. if your light's just reflecting off the water and blinding you, it's not helping yeah. you. No, no, it's hurting you. You can, you can have an extremely bright light, but if it's not the right color, it doesn't make a difference. Um, the right. other guys will see fish deeper and shoot more fish in any tournament hands down. Um, and that's kind of what we've done with that. So we, you know, quickly moved into that, uh, bow fishing market and, you know, kind of taken it over. You still have your other companies that people are just looking for a bargain and that's, you know, that's fine. But, you know, we eventually, they seem to end up coming to us in the end because they just learn, they see a buddy, they get to a tournament and they look over and they're like, Holy smokes. I had no clue. They were that right. Um, sure. And, and, you know, customer service too. people have a problem. I mean, I've had people call me and things happen. I mean, we've got failure rates and everything we produce. Um, it's all typically less than 1%. So sure. it's extreme, extremely small, but, um, you know, we're there to help them out in the middle of nowhere. If they're in a lake to, you know, get to them. I mean, heck, if anybody shoots me an email, I mean, I'm constantly, I mean, emails are, you know, a huge thing nowadays. And we're just constantly right. keeping up with the customers and trying to, you know, if somebody has a big problem. I, 
and just stop what I'm doing and call them because it's uh I know how it is to be out on the lake and you can't see. <laughs> right, right. I mean that and especially if you're in the middle of a tournament or if you're a commercial guy like what you're saying or a guide or anything like I mean that's how they make their living on those lights. Yeah. Yeah, my uh kind of funny thing is my wife she'll always be like uh you know it's not i don't know why you call these people it's not like it's life or death and i said well it might not be life or death but i said i've been there in their situation and i said at that time it kind of is to them <laughs> i said yeah, yeah. I, I mean everything's relative right and that's like that's it right <laughs> there i mean their world is crumbling around them because their lights didn't turn on and they're getting ready to launch for a tournament and then to get the phone call from you i mean that can change the entire night yeah yeah yeah, and that's that's I mean that's what we do, um, and we'll continue to always do. Um, but yeah, bow fishing has I mean a tremendous market. We actually supply probably about ten big boat manufacturers in the country with their bow fishing series lights on their bow fishing series boats, um, and they you know everything that they produce has our lights on it. Um, all your big bow fishing you know companies that build bow fishing boats. Um, sure. So we, we stay pretty wrapped up with bow fishing lights and it's funny cause it's actually year round for some reason, but it never is a downtime for bow fishermen. Well, that's, I mean, diversity is good in any business, right? So, I mean, to have a good, strong bow fishing market and then you get, I'm sure you get a pretty big late summer push for duck hunting when people get their new yeah. boats and they want to get set yeah. up. And Everyone waits to the last second. Yeah. Right. absolutely <laughs> try to get their boat rigged out um but it's it seems pretty constant it seems the people the boat manufacturers that we supply lights for for the duck boats and such uh i mean it's pretty steady um then you have your you know your atv market your hog hunting we make a unique hog hunting light um for hog hunting uh, so the UTVs, electric vehicles and such, um, that picks up in the um, spring time sure. when everybody's, you know, kind of in the off season looking for something to do. So it seems to be pretty wide open, at least until duck season. And then I kind of take a break. <laughs> That's, that fall is for you. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you do. Yeah, I know you touched on it. You do most of your, you do most of your hunting in Arkansas then? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, uh, camp out there, a uh, pretty nice place. Um, had, uh, three fraternity brothers. We went in and bought it back in the day and slowly they got married and I, their wives, um, somehow pulled them apart from it and <laughs> ended up with the whole thing. So we spend our worked, Christmas and everything out there. Real nice. I mean, that works out pretty well. I mean, it was almost like a business partnership, like with a long-term like interest-free loan for you to get it on your own. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't very hard to convince uh, my wife <laughs> to buy it because it was, um, you know, it is my business. I, mean, I can't promote my business without actually out there doing all this stuff. And that's kind of one thing I've tried to stay true to. I've had people, hey, you need to do this kind of light. You can make money, this and that. And I kind of always stay true to what I can actually talk to people and explain my product rather sure. than just doing something that's more or less money driven um that there's a market for it i'd rather you know be able to explain every single product and how specifically it can improve their stuff for that particular you know use i guess you could say so everything that we sell is something that i have i use 
um, and I test on a regular basis. Sure. Sure. And that, and I mean, that says a lot right there that like, I mean, it makes sense too. Cause you want to be able to talk to your customers. You want to be like, I ran this, I ran that first gen light for this many years. And I can tell you like, this will be fine. Or like, Oh, that new third gen for what you're looking like. That's awesome. Like, like, yeah, this is where you want to be able to have that actual experience on the boat. I'm assuming you hunt timber down there. Or is that more like rice field or like, yeah, we, uh, I, man, I love timber, uh, from the first day I, 20, 22 years about, I was 18 years old. I set foot in Arkansas timber and it has, uh, I mean, it's something that hooks you. I highly suggest no one ever do it <laughs> because you, <laughs> you will be hooked for life. It is so unique to watch the mallards and to be able to communicate with them. I think field hunting, there's some communication. I do, you know, done fair field hunting all over the country, but when it's in the timber, it's, it's a lot of communication and specific communication with the duck mallard specifically to get them to convince them that this is the place they need to land in 30,000 acres of flooded timber. Um, So it's, it's a lot like turkey hunting, um, you know, and I've always liked turkey hunting. It just kind of started interfering with the job a little too much. So duck hunting was, you know, I quickly migrated to it more. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. It's, it's really no way, to, no way to describe it. Waking up and driving through trees at 30 miles an hour um, and jumping logs and, you know, racing people to specific spots. And I mean, it's, about as close to NASCAR, I think, as you could get. <laughs> the adren- I mean, that's a great way to wake up in the morning, just full throttle, adrenaline rush, trying to bo- trying to not bounce off trees or and trying to beat the guy next to you and pick a better line through him. Even I mean, that that I don't know. It sounds like a real good time. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really it's indescribable. It's it's a it's an experience everyone should experience. There's it no is- question. It is definitely on my bucket list and it's, it's towards the top of the bucket. It's going to happen sooner than some of the other stuff I want to do. That's for sure. I've been dreaming to get down there for more than a few years now. Yeah. It's, you definitely need to come. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then I, I didn't, I guess I, all I've watched is videos from down there. So I know there's a lot of calling that goes on. I didn't realize the communication like with timber hunting was as important as what you're saying. Cause that's the one thing I've always felt like I've lacked with duck hunting up here is the calling. I mean, sometimes it is a big deal. Other times it's just not what it needs to be at all. But like with goose hunting and fields up here, calling is everything. I mean, I have, like I have conversations with geese. I call based on how they call. I call based on how their wings react. And I've always wanted ducks up here to be the same and they just never have been. So that makes me even more excited to get down there to be actually see like birds responding and actually participating in the calling. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. I mean, you're watching that wing beat and seeing exactly that leading hen and everything and i mean on top of that you don't have a big open sky that you are able to see them so you're peeking around the tree trying to see through limbs and follow them through you know multiple trees um and and read them on top of that and then you're actually setting them up on a landing zone that you already know the way they like to land and um it's it's 
I mean, it's something that takes a lot of experience and a good coach. I mean, I've had a guy that, you know, mentored me from the beginning, met us at the boat ramp. I was soaking wet, falling in the water, and he took me back to his house and uh, let me dry my waders and everything out and uh, actually taught me, I mean, everything I know as far as, you know, calling ducks in the flooded timber. Um, he had been doing it for almost 50 years, and he he was pretty impressive, impressive, and I luckily listened to him because he taught me a lot. Mentorship's so big. I mean, I, I try to mentor as much as I can, but no one in my family hunted. I've had a couple of mentors throughout my life, not much in the waterfall side, and that's probably just because I never clicked with the right group of people for it. I've always kind of done that like a solo, just me and my dog type of thing. I have a, one, a couple buddies I'll hunt with for sure that but we all kind of started at the same point. So it was all a lot of trial and error for us. But as I've gotten older, cause I took it on later in life. Um, I didn't start until I was 21 or 22. Cause like I said, no one in my family hunted. I see how important that mentorship is now. And I take veterans out, I take new hunters out just to take that, just to give them that experience of, Hey, if they never want to do it again, at least they had a good experience or if they want to keep doing it, they don't have to do half the trial and error. I figured out where it's like, well, what if we do this? No, trust me, that does not work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I get more enjoyment. I've shot enough ducks in my life as young. I mean, even as young as I am, but I, I get more joy out of teaching somebody and getting to take them out there and just see their face. Cause I remember it vividly my first time and some, you know, him taking me or that guy, my mentor taking me to his special hole, you know, things were a lot different then you could, actually have your own hole in the middle of public land and nobody touched your spot and such things have changed a lot now but sure i just love to take kids and i've actually got kids that i took when i was you know a little bit younger they're grown now i mean they're 20 you know 25 years old they're coming up to the same area and you know i'm hunting with them and i i mean i remember when they were eight years old and I took them in my boat, you know, for the first time. So that's my, I guess my biggest goal with, you know, anything hunting and fishing and whatever outdoors is, you know, I, I think it's a dying industry. Um, I know it is. And, uh, I, it, it is. And I know on social media, you see a lot of people that are like, quit trying to tell people there's already enough hunters in the marsh and, and they just don't see it. Like, they don't see that other than COVID year, if we take out 2020 because of this outdoor boom, it's been falling every single year license sales have. Yeah. It, it is, a, and you're right, it is a dying sport. Yeah, that's what I do. You know, I do YouTubes and I'll do videos and stuff and I'll share it on social media and people, you know, it'll show a certain parking lot and this and that, and you got everybody, people I know, you know, well, you know, I can't believe you're doing that. And everybody's talking about me. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, if we don't have anybody else getting in the industry, you just want it all to yourself. And then all of a sudden, it's all going to be taken away. I mean, right. the funds have to come from somewhere to keep this, I guess, logical and financially, you know, efficient for the government to keep these public areas. And if it's not financially stable, then it's gone and it's all because, you know, a selfish, a bunch of selfish hunters. And um, I'm exact opposite. And I try to preach that, that, you know, the more hunters we have, the better. Um, there's no reason it's, you know, we're all a team, whether you like it or not. And, you know, 
all you know a bunch of hunters fighting against each other you hear a lot of nowadays i mean it, it well, just makes absolutely no sense i agree i mean there's been a huge fight up here since wisconsin legalized crossbows during archery season that's a huge that's because you have all the archery hunters that, well that's gun that's a gun it's not it's 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 a legal weapon and your fight isn't with the guy using the crossbow your fights with the state for legalizing it now that it's legal if you want to try to change that that's fine you can go to legislators you can do it the proper way but to argue with the guys that are doing it or say oh you're cheating or that's not hunting and push people out of the sport doesn't help our sport doesn't help our industry it doesn't help keep our public lands public from being sold to private corporations because the state needs money that's right yeah and that's i mean to me i don't care what you use i mean if it gets you out there and it's you're an extra person buying a license and you're one more supporter for the sport i don't care what you do um as long as you're out there and you're helping my my cause that's all i you know all i care about so that, yeah I'm, I'm the same exact same way i agree with that 100 percent. as long as you're hunting in a legal way as long as you're not poaching i mean as long as you're following the rules hunting legally you can use a crossbow you can use a longbow compound but don't matter to me at least uh, like for that sake i mean it doesn't matter i mean as long as you're legal and ethical i'm good with it don't matter to me it's yeah, your hunt i mean it's, it, i mean it's your hunt is what it is it's his hunt not mine yeah i don't i don't tell him what animal to shoot if you want to take a doe take a doe if you want to shoot a hen mallard because you never shot a doe, or if you just want to shoot a head mallard because you're going to eat it i don't care it's your hunt yeah. it's legal it's not my place to tell you you can't shoot a hen if, if it's a slow day and that's the only bird you saw i'm not going to tell you you can't shoot that hen absolutely not it's your hunt yeah. man take it's, it's on you yeah that's exactly right and hopefully one day they'll see it but yeah it's definitely a definitely a dying sport and that's my biggest goal is trying to get people involved i mean that's i mean a yearly yearly thing i don't care who you are i mean i tell people all the time just you know come on you got a open invitation i'd love to take you because i look back at the people i've taken over the years and i mean they become serious waterfowl you know hunters and uh who knows if i'd have never taken them i mean there ain't no telling what they would have ended up doing um that, but now they're somebody else that you know helps the sport and that's that's i mean whether people like it or not that's they're gonna realize that's what we need and i hope we can definitely keep pushing people towards you know all the sports i mean i don't care what it is i i do pretty much all of them i mean fishing's pretty stable but i'm sure fishing licenses are down i mean i don't keep that track i mean there's not as much talk about that one but I mean, all the aspects of hunting, it's not just waterfall hunting, it's upland hunting, it's deer hunt, all those numbers are down. So we mentor a couple of people every year, or at least attempt to, and say one of them sticks. They gain confidence and then they say, oh, hey, they take a couple of buddies out that I'm not, I mean, there is definitely a positive impact with a trickle down effect that can be had just from mentoring one or two people. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, I mean, I've first seen it firsthand um and it's i mean everything in all the sports i mean it's changing it seems government's getting more involved and if we don't have a bigger community you know for everybody to stand up go to these meetings i mean i've seen it in arkansas where we've been in meetings and you know with the state and argue or a point you know and and one where you know if we didn't have the community and people in it to stand up for it then 
half these people nowadays would just, you know, accept whatever was thrown their right. way. Um, despite, you know, what's best for, you know, the animal. Cause I mean, ultimately that's, I mean, all I care about as long as the, uh, you know, the species and everything are, um, growing and surviving and, you know, not decreasing that uh, that's my biggest pet peeve when I go places and I see these animal rights people and such, and they, they don't understand how much money hunters actually pour into it. I mean, most hunters pour more money into supporting wildlife than anything and are the first ones that will step in and be like, okay, if, you know, whoa, we're seeing no more, um, pintail down here, we've got to do something drastically. And I mean, we're, I'm the first one. I'm, you know, Hey, I want you to pintail for the next 10 years. That's what it takes. I mean, right. I understand. I don't, I don't care about that. I care more about, you know, the survival of the species. So that's definitely, I mean, um, there, I think at the, at the true heart of most, of, of, at least of all the hunters I've talked to at the heart, I mean, we're conservationists to begin with. I mean, we're about land management. We're about making sure there's a healthy herd or healthy population of the species before we even want to consider hunting that species. Because like you said, I don't want to be the guy that shoots the last pintail on earth. That's not me. I want to be the guy that got enough habitat forms so they bred and they went from low numbers to holy cow, there's a population of pintails again. Like that, I want that. Like, I don't want to be the guy like, I shot the last one. No, that's terrible. I want to be the guy that I started their re I started their revival. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's, I mean, and that's how most hunters are. I mean, at least mature hunters, I guess you could say, but I think most of them all end up with that reality um, that that's pretty much more important than anything than killing anything. It's just making sure, you know, what you, I mean, heck without it i mean you wouldn't be able to enjoy it so that's the without our, yeah without without the species without our public lands like from hunters numbers with licenses and everything else i mean even if i mean that's going to grow i mean our sports going to get small real quick if we can't manage and keep our public land i mean if we start losing public land because of a loss of numbers people are complaining now that things are too packed and want less more wait till you have half the area to hunt yeah you want to see it yeah. busy Yep. And that's, that's what, I mean, that's, that's our biggest fight in Arkansas is everyone complaining. There's no room to go. We have a WMA we hunt and it's, I mean, 30 something thousand acres and there's about 10 boat ramps and 99% okay. of the people go to one boat ramp. Well, sure. We always go to one of the other boat ramps and never see anybody. Sure. Um, but th these people are the same ones doing surveys and everything saying, and social media saying too many people hunt too many, this too many, that. And, you know, I'm just like, you don't have to go where the crowd is. If you go where the crowd is, you expect a crowd. <laughs> right. So, exactly. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's everywhere. It's, you got a lot of people that tend to complain and don't see the bigger picture and need more people that are, I guess maybe enlightening there's enlightening them that, you know, too many people is a good thing. Go help them, tell them somewhere else to go. That's kind of what I do is like, I mean, heck, I can't tell you how many times openers and stuff. I see people all crammed at one boat ramp and I'll drive down through there and be like, why are y'all here? And they're like, man, we're here, this and that. And they, I mean, they know me and they're like, why are you not in this line and this and that? And I said, I'm never in this line, you know, 
there's six <laughs> other boat ramps here that are just as good, man. I was like, you don't have to be here in this mess. Um, and they just don't, I miss people aren't educated and, you know, um, that they, they find help, a good help people out. They find a good spot once. And I mean, at least up here, waterfall takes work. I mean, it takes scouting. It's take, it takes finding the birds. We have a lot of public land up here. We do. And a lot of boat access. I mean, it's not, I mean, but you got to put the time in and figure out, spend a little time doing some scouting up here. Otherwise, I mean, that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, scouting is number one. You can't, right. you got to be where the ducks are, not where they were last week. So, um, yeah, I mean, firsthand information, the most recent information is, I mean, what you have to base everything on as far as finding, finding ducks, deer or anything. I mean, Agreed. that's just the way, way it is. Agreed. And then I want, I have noticed one thing with mentorship too. I mean, you hunt them over a dog. I mean, a dog can absolutely change some people's opinions. <laughs> I mean, and I know you have a Drathar, I've got a grip. So, I mean, we're both rocking the bearded dogs, which is just its own charm in itself. But upland hunting, waterfall hunting, some of my favorite memories come from my dog. I mean, and then to see other, let other people see that dog and their excitement. And I mean, it's just, it just changes a hunt. Yeah, it does. I was a big anti-dog person for as waterfowl hunting in the timber for a long time. I've been sure. with a lot of dogs that ruined many, many hunts. Um, a lot of people, are, everybody travels to Arkansas. So you've got people from Florida and all over that are coming and hunting with you. And our biggest rule is, you know, you don't come to the duck woods to train your dog. You train your dog in the nine months leading up to duck season <laughs> you don't bring them and then train them in the woods and that's where you know i guess when i got into it there were so many dogs yelping and getting shocked and just all kinds of stuff to where it kind of always left me with a bad taste of you know dogs ruining hunts well it was never the dog it was the owner uh, right, the, the, right. Dog, the dog's perfect the handlers always <laughs> ruin the dog um and uh but i quickly have recently i guess uh changed my opinions about that <laughs> <laughs> now that you have your own dog and I, I get it i mean and i always recognized like my lab was not a great duck dog he was a phenomenal retriever but he was super high strong and it was really hard to keep him steady he'd get bored he had adhd he did i mean but he's what drove me to upland hunt i mean i couldn't get him to settle down for duck hunting but up in those <laughs> woods chasing grouse he was just a machine so i'm like all right you don't have to come on every duck hunt. I'll bring you on some because you love it. And I understand. And I'm just, you You are what you are. And I'm okay with that. That's fine. I mean, but I'm going to do a lot of my duck hunting without you, though, just so I can have a more enjoyable hunt for myself because I know you're going to drive me bonkers. But like, yeah. I'll plan hunts. It makes up for all of it. doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what drew me to Drothar was the, I guess, the breeding. You get so many labs, and most of my bad experiences were with labs. I mean, the breeding is all over the place. I know sure. there's some good breeding, but uh, to me, the good breeding is just not very cost-effective in anybody's wallet for the most part. Um, and you can even get good breeding, and it still be bad. But, the you know, the uh, Jothars and I guess the Griffs and everything being uh, German, and they uh, – I actually just found this out. I didn't realize that – Drothars are a quarter griff. Um, I did not did not know that until I talked to another guy uh, recently, but they do have a lot of griff in them. And um, 
I'm pretty. But, I don't quote me, but I think back in the day when they were trying to bring the Griff bead back to what it was, I'm pretty sure they introduced them to Throgger the Griff as well. I'm pretty. No, right. don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. Was it Korth? I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure they reintroduced um, to bring some of those traits from the Drathar into the Griff as well. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But getting to that type of dog, um, it's a totally different animal. I mean, I've watched people, you know, perf hand signals and everything perfect with labs. And labs are more, to me, followers. Um, sure. You're not, you're not going to tell my dog what to do ever. I mean, he's... <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna go get that bird and he knows what he's doing i mean he listens he's steady and all that right. uh, um he doesn't drop a bird or anything but when it when he sees it fall you better just give him his time because he's gonna come back with it he knows where it is a whole lot better than i do um sure and he he has he has made some unbelievable retrieves um in the timber i mean Four or five hundred yards just through the middle of the woods swimming the whole time and that's got to be hard for tracking too i mean that's where i can really see that i mean my lab had a great nose too i'm not talking anything against labs but like you get that versatile breed and whatnot like for them i mean the duck is swimming away sometimes right i mean sometimes you get a, a wounded duck that swims away kind of hard to track in water scent water doesn't really retain scent real much no and from what i know a duck in itself is almost scentless um sure they, they hold extremely very little scent like any other animal um so yeah it's it's unbelievable but he was um mine was definitely built to sniff him out because i i can't really think of many that he's ever let get away live or dead <laughs> Then you have a little stubbornness in them too, I'm sure. Because I mean, my girlfriend, I mean, she, extremely intelligent, but to the point like almost stubborn, but not stubborn because you can't treat her like a stubborn dog because she's not a stubborn dog. She's a soft dog at the end of the day, but she's smart and intelligent to the point where she's like, no, that's not how we're going to do this. But it's like, no, this is how we need to do this. So you're not being stubborn, but you're not listening. Yep, they are stubborn. That's that's a fact. Um, <laughs> But at the end of the day, you know, they want to do, I mean, they want to do their thing. Um, they want to please you, but they're going to do it their way or at least try to do it their way. Agreed. Um, and most of my, most of the time mine proves me wrong. <laughs> I should have just listened to him, especially, you know, tracking deer and stuff like that, where I'm like, there's no way that deer went that way. Deer's over here. What are you doing? You're on another deer. And I should have just <laughs> let him go. Because he knew exactly where he was going. I, I've been in that situation more times than I can count. Where now I still don't do it. I tell myself every every time I go out, like especially grouse hunting, I'm like, "There's not a grouse over there. That's like not the right cover. What are you doing over there? Come this way." And all of a sudden, like she'll bump the bird, or my lab would have flushed the bird, and I've been like, "And she'll bump the bird because I'm take, telling her to go a different way." And, and then she just kind of looks at me and goes, "There went the bird." And I'm like, eh, well, "I was wrong. You were right. What do you want me to do?" <laughs> yep yep that's it exactly you, you you make me humble i get it yep yeah they're definitely smarter than us i just i i just there's something the dog makes can make a hunt special and i think that's kind of like it leads into like our whole conversation too like as a hunter you progress right when i first started hunting i i, I wanted to like get birds into the like decoy ranges my first goal right 
and the decoys range went to i want to start landing birds to now i want to start shooting limits of bird and then that kind of changed too now it's like now i want to get my dog like now i want to have some really good retreat like it doesn't matter how many birds i shoot now now i want to like now it's about the dog and now it's also about that mentorship and like I, I think that's just kind of a progression i took which i hear a lot of people have as they've matured through hunting right yeah same with me uh, all i care is watch other people have fun i get a lot behind the camera now that's real satisfying because right. it's ex it's a whole lot harder to shoot them in flooded timber with a camera than it is with a gun that's that's a fact um you're dealing with light low light something sure. moving by you know 60 miles an hour and people shooting all at the same time and so shooting down then getting the dog working and handling the dog and all that so it's uh i enjoy that a, a lot more nowadays than you know just getting out there and shooting um sometimes i have to pick up the gun if uh, shooting birds in the flooded timber is a lot different. Everybody leads birds, you know, it's probably similar to y'all shooting grouse. Y'all shoot them sure. so, so close and up, up in your face. Um, oh, yeah. you pretty much put the bead on them and pull the trigger. If you're doing any kind of leading, at least in our down there, you're going to miss the bird. You're going to shoot in front of it because they're that close to you. Sure. Um, Makes sense. You, you're literally just aiming, which is, you know, not what you're taught and le you learn with a shotgun. So it's a lot different. So sometimes I mean, people can't pick that up as quick. And, you know, after we've landed two or three flocks and we have one bird, <laughs> I'll have to be like, if you, you run the camera and let me get some birds in the bag so we can get, get out of here. My, my dog's not going to be real happy with one retrieve and, and this many shots. Y'all got to pick it up or let me do some shooting. Like this ain't going to work for my dog. Yeah, he hears like, you know, eight shots go off and nothing's on the ground. He he can pitch a fit. You can hear him in some of our videos. <laughs> That's awesome. he, he, does, he does not. He's not very happy. That's funny, though. All nice and quiet when everything's good. You start missing a lot of shots and he starts talking back like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah he, he can definitely do some whining and squealing. That's great. That's just awesome. Well, yeah. Um, I know we didn't touch base on this, but might as well, we'll touch base. Um, I know you started another company that not off based off something, but you have Southern Mud Sports. Yeah, yeah. So basically, we started Southern Mud Sports. We were um, kind of met a lot of boat manufacturers through selling our lights and everything. And um, Gator Tail Outboards um, offered us, you know, to where we could do a dealership, um, the big mud motor company down in Louisiana, and. Yep definitely couldn't pass that up uh that uh their their dealers are pretty scarce and it's very hard to get on with them or at least be trusted to sell their product so um, i mean the, I, we, from the my experience with them they've been great i have a third i have an old i have a 2016 37 of course i mean my experience yeah. with them is i mean i bought it used i bought it this spring i sold my bass boat to get back into a real duck boat because i've been kayak duck hunting forever and i still will i run a small mud motor on a kayak as well but I yeah. wanted to get out of the bass boat and get back into a bigger boat, do some mother shipping with the kayak, just open up more areas. And they've been phenomenal to deal with. I called and asked them some questions about props. I called them, asked them some questions about other things, some concerns I had. And they've been phenomenal with me. Like everyone I've talked to on the phone has just been extremely knowledgeable and like they answer their phone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I know Kyle, the owner very well. And I mean, he's the same way. He said, you find another mud motor company that the owners here every single day of the week 
dealing with every single problem that's going on, you know, firsthand. And that's, that's him. And it shows with their company that, you know, and they, and just everything they do is just absolutely top notch. And so we got and offered that, that. And I was gonna say that just fits in lines, like with your company's morals. I mean, the owner's there taking care of problems. Same with you. I mean, it's a real great company to partnership when you're both on the same plane for customer service. Yeah. And a lot, and everything we sell uh, as far as even the electric buggies and stuff for deer hunting was all companies. I knew the owners known them for several years. Um, it's in line with exactly what I do. I run their stuff. I try to tear it up. You know, it's the sure. same quality my products are. So essentially I've, you know, more or less started a new company selling other companies products, you know, similar to, you know, my products that we produce ourselves. Um, and uh, it, it's worked out real great. And these are products, you know, I've tested for many years before I even decided to sell them um and promote them and uh we kind of put our spin or our twist on the products with lights and stereos and every little niche or thing i've learned over the years that can you know make a duck boat better um you know we incorporate in them and you know highly recommend these uh you know us doing a boat a specific way because it's going to perform and we we can guarantee it's going to perform because you know we've been we're out there with them um, right. You know, we run them, been testing them for years before, you know, we build them that way. And th I mean, that makes sense because someone could call you up and be like, this is how they're here. Like, give you a call. Here's my style of hunting. I, I, how, what would, how would you set this boat up for me? I, I hunt a lot of marsh or I hunt timber. Like, how would you set the boat up so it's going to be functional for me and go off that experience and the torture testing you've done to have a package designed basically that's going to perform exactly how they want when they get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've hunted Minnesota Marsh, Canada, all over. I mean, Louisiana, coastal and stuff. And, you know, I can tell somebody, you know, hey, you don't need that. You're on the, I don't know who told you that, you know, I'll give them my strong opinion because I know, um, sure. you know, what works. And, you know, if, if they still want to stay on their path and I just, you know, let them make their own choice and get what they right. want. But, um, you know, I'm pretty strong opinion on what somebody <laughs> should need because you know i've done it for a long time and i've heard so many stories through my other company being in the waterfowl industry that i can just tell you so many experiences of why you don't want to get that boat or do that thing with that boat and that motor with this and so sure um, i kind of enjoy that business also because it's you know more or less a hands-on type thing with using experience that i've gained over the years and it goes kind of back and it kind of goes back to to your custom like custom home design too because now i mean it's obviously not homes but i mean you get you're back into that custom aspect where you're like we can design this like what do you want it to do like and yeah. we'll make it you're not building boats obviously but you're taking you're helping someone pair the right motor with the right hull and then the right accessories and making this custom boat like it's not just something you're going to go out a box store and buy yeah yeah, well, you have a lot of people. I mean, you've got custom boat manufacturers across the country that, I mean, they charge unbelievable astronomical amounts for boats and people just can't afford it. And there's other boats that perform better for the most part as far as hull design and performance. They're just lacking the, um, I guess, extra stuff, Lingnap or whatever that, uh, you know, the big custom boat manufacturers do. And 
we're able to bring those customers and get them into something more affordable and bring it to the same uh, finishes and extras that the other ones have for you know a whole lot less of price and it's going to perform better in pretty much every situation for what they need for a more affordable price makes sense because you're taking the best of what you can in the industry and combining it to make what what is the best option basically i mean you're not i mean custom bolts are great i mean they are i'm not going to talk bad about it, but like you said a different hull design for one person might work completely better and that manufacturer might not even make a hull that way yeah yep and that's kind of why we have several different brands we do gator tail edge and havoc and okay. uh, they kind of you know between those brands anything duck cutting almost we can find something that's going to fit you perfectly sure so, and I those, mean, those are, are all those are all three well-known battle tested boats yeah yeah i mean they're the top of the top and i've ran them and tried to tear them up and i know the owners of every company very well and i know you know more or less their business business model and what their plans are and customer service is on the top of you know all their their minds on all that so that's you know why i choose to offer those products you know as our i guess line up in that business <clears throat> sure makes sense and then i'm sure i'm sure you're putting all southern light leds in them i mean it's not like you'd use another company than that one right <laughs> yep yeah we don't install anything else so they have to do that at home if they want something else <laughs> that's awesome but most people are very very happy to realize that you know they're getting southern light led on their boats and sure you know you get a little bit of price break since you're since we know the people that make them right and, uh, right <laughs> so, so we're not can, quite buying from the manufacturer but you're pretty much buying for, you're kind of like stealing from them almost <laughs> yeah pretty much so yeah we stole their design but uh now nah, they uh so the customers are real happy because they're you know getting an unbelievable product i mean you can go on our youtube and see some of the southern mud sports or instagram and see some of the crazy builds we've done and everything on duck boats that they don't look anything like they did originally when we got our hands on them. That's awesome. I mean, just making something custom exactly what the person needs. I mean, that that's just, and to a lot of people, that's, that's going to be their forever boat too. Yeah. Unless, yeah, unless, unless if their hunting style completely changes or they move, I mean, but you go to the point where you're like, I'm not going to take just a factory haul. I'm going to have you help me figure out which is the best haul. And then we're going to make it even better by making it exactly what I need for how I hunt. I mean, that's probably their forever boat. Yeah. And that's one of my biggest questions is asking people, you know, Hey, are you going to keep this boat for a year or two and sell it and, you know, and get something else or, you know, and a lot of people are like, no, this is like it. And I'm right. like, okay, well, if this is it, this is really what you need. It might be $2,000 more, but I'm telling you, I know, and this is exactly what you're going to want in the end. So you might as well go ahead and get this rather than cutting it cheap since you plan on keeping this. But then you get people that are, you know, I don't know, I might keep it a year or two and, you know, kind of doesn't really matter because, you know, they're constantly changing and moving and sure. stuff like that. So, um, and at that point, you might not want to get too custom if you're going to be flipping your boat every two to three years. Because if you get too custom, it gets to the point where it's hard to sell. Because now you're looking for someone that's going to hunt basically like you do and want the setup you have. 
Right. And that's what I, yeah, I ask them. So, you know, you don't need this. You don't need to do all this fancy stuff with it, specific jack plate and all that, because you aren't even going to have it long enough to really see the advantages of doing all that extra stuff to it. So, yeah, I mean, sure. not not worth them wasting that money on all that stuff. Makes sense. Sounds, I mean, that sounds real. I mean, it's got to be fun. Just, I mean, I, back when I, right after high school, I was in um, automotive accessories. So like alarms, remote starts, car, custom car stereos, sunroofs, leather, all that type of like just your random automotive accessories and whatnot. And it's always fun to put together something like where they're like, this is kind of what I want. And you kind of show them your options and like, this was going to work better with that. And by the time it's all said and done, you basically built like this custom car to a degree. And it's like, that's awesome because you know like when, when they see it they have like eyes light up and they're like this like my dream is now like a reality and that, that's just awesome to provide for someone that's a great feeling yeah yeah it is we have a shop it's pitch black and we turn everything off and walk them in and then hit all the lights and then stereo and all that and they are just i mean every person it's better than they imagined it would be so yeah it's kind of reminds me i guess back in the day of the um was it overhauled show that old show yep. with the cars yep, i remember um, that very similar to that so yeah it's uh i guess they kind of took old stuff and made it new again but um, sure yeah it's really cool how how we do it for our customers and then um give them something you know they've been dreaming about for several months and they finally get to see it so it's real cool and then on most instances we'll take them out and go run it with them and teach them and you know, show them how to do certain things because mud motors to a lot of people are, you know, just foreign. I mean, they don't have a clue. And there's a lot of do's and don'ts and dangers and things like that that sure. they need to know. So we usually take each of them out and run them through it, one of our nearby lakes, and go over it and make sure they're comfortable with it and um, not going to get out there and hurt themselves. That's, I mean, that's just the next level of customer service, right? Like you build the boat for them and then they're like, hey, we'll teach you how to use it. So you're like, so you're safe, so you're comfortable. So when you get home, you're not sitting there on YouTube like, how'd you start this thing again? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. I mean, you can, you can look at it like, oh, it's just a lawnmower on a prop. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's nothing like that at all. No, it's not. It's it's a whole <laughs> lot of something in the, yeah, they're uh they're a tough machine. Those gator tail motors are just undescribable what they can do. I call them four wheel drive boats. Sure. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, it's pretty accurate. I mean, but how shallow you can get and how thick you can get, I mean, everything has a limitation, right? I mean, but I mean, what those do compared to a normal outboard is it's, it's mind blowing the first time you're ever in one. Yeah, it is. I've made a lot of people believers running in my boats during duck season. <laughs> So I run a Sandy river a lot and there, and like with any other Sandy river, sandbars change, everything changes. And my wife still gets blown away because the river's clear too. So you can see the bottom and I'll know it's shallow, but we'll be fine. And she looks down and we're like in the inches of water. And it's like, she's like, I can touch the sand if I want to. I'm like, yeah, we're just not stopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just can't stop. We're just going to keep going. Like just, and she knows if I'm like, hold on. And she's like, okay, we're going. <laughs> Yeah, it's no turning back. You got to get to that deep hole in those sandy rivers before you yep. stop. Yep. 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 Okay, I know this is going to be sandy. This is the way we're going. And it's going to be shallow, but it's good after that. We're just going right through it. We're not stopping. Yep, that's it. You, yeah, you stop in that sand. Your prop disappears and quick. That oh, sand yeah. will eat a, eat a prop up in no time. 
Yeah, that that is rough on the river. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like sandblasting the prop constantly every time. And even even the amount of sand just floating in the river. Like you go swimming. I mean, it's clean water. You go swimming in it, but like you get out, you feel sandy because there's just so much sand. So I go through props probably quite a, uh, probably faster than most, I'd say. Yeah, I try to stay out. I do some sand, but I definitely try to stay out of it because I have, oh my goodness, 30 minutes to an hour destroyed props. Just sure. thinking that you could take off in it like mud, but it's it's a totally different animal. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm real careful with that, but I mean, just even just running clean water, it's got so much sand sediment, and you know, I mean, those props are tough. I mean, they're tough, but it wears. That sand is abrasive. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so I try to stay out of. I stay in mostly mud and hard bottom stuff. Um, I don't spend much time in sand unless we're fishing specific areas or something. Sure. I mean, and the Sandy River I run leads back to marshes and different backwaters and actually some little bit of flooded timber I do have around me with how that river level changes. And it's like, that's where I want to hunt. So I, I just bite the bullet and run some Sandy Rivers to get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. And that's, I mean, I, I, you can run a prop on a jack plate where I am. I mean, you can, but then you, then you worry about running in weeds and backwaters and I talked to a good buddy who guides for fly fishing and he's like, you don't want to jet. Cause I have problems. And when I have problems in fall with floating leaves on this, I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, you know what? We're just going to go back to the tried and true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, I've got, we've, in our lodge, we've got, uh, you know, outboards and mud motors. And I think last year, 70 days, I maybe ran the outboard four, t- four days. And the rest of the 70 days was straight mud motor. Sure. I mean, it's it's got some, sp- you know, it's speed impaired and slower, but there's nothing better than just being able to just run wide open and not stop and run over anything, jump right. levees and all that. So it's, uh, it's definitely more advantages I found out over the years than disadvantages, that's for sure. I mean, speed can play a role, especially for you guys down there, a little less for me, but that's when it really came down to it. I'm like, I want a motor, like you said, that's four-wheel drive. It's going to get me through the grass. It's going to get me through the mud. It's going to get me through the sandbars and everything else I need to get through. I don't want to have to – I mean, yes, it's going to be a little slower, but I don't have to worry about that outboard. I don't have to worry about blowing up impellers and changing impellers constantly and <laughs> overheating the stupid thing. Like, yeah, so I can get there 10 minutes faster. But what when I don't get there 10 minutes faster because I didn't get there at all because the thing's all bound up with weeds and mud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I found out, too, we come off a river and then hit shallow chutes and stuff like that. And I used to have, you know, 50, 60 mile an hour, you know, outboards. And you could fly and beat people to places. But when I started having people, when I got to the shallow and I had to slow down, here they come like a, you know, the slow turtle finally starts passing me when I'm idling down the shallow water. Um, I quickly realized that you can go as fast as you want, but in the end, they're still going to be able to beat you when you hit that shallow stuff and, you know, get to the spot. And so that's when I really, really had to make, make the switch over from an outboard to a mud motor. And it's, it's, it's a good switch. I, I, I mean, there's, it's not for everyone, right? I mean, I mean, but I really don't know for a, unless you're hunting big water, big open water, then yeah, I get it. Outboards would, yeah, hands down, no questions, right? 
but for the average duck hunter, I don't know how you beat it. With a, I don't, I don't know how you do it. Mm-mm. And that, that's another reason why, I mean, when I saw what you could do with a gator tail and, you know, three to four years running one and just how indestructible they were and everything. I, I mean, I said, you know, and then they offered it, you know, to be able to sell them. I said, well, every single duck hunter in this country is going to end up having one. <laughs> I was like, I might as well be the guy selling it to them because right. I'm a stronger believer as there is for it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's something every duck hunter, I, I think you'll end up going to whether you like it or not. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. Well, I, I really appreciate you being on, man. I think it's been great. I mean, um, any, who, let's start with who the show's yours right now. Who do you want to thank anybody? I'm sure you got tons of people you want to thank. That's got you where we are. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, without him, I can promise you none of this would have been possible. Uh, I'm, uh, I mean, heck I'm a cancer survivor. Um, he brought me through that and got three, three, uh, kids, sons, um, and beautiful wife and, um, couldn't have done it without him. Uh, I would say my wife's probably the, um, manager of the business. Um, sure. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just the face of it. Uh, she definitely is the one that, uh, pretty much runs everything and pretty much give her, you know, all the credit for the success. Cause I know definitely without her, I, there's no way it would have ever made it into what it is today. Um, she's the silent person in the background. That's for sure. With the um, most important role, right? Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, a lot of great customers. I mean, goodness, all the shows and stuff we've done across the country and the people we've met and the support and people sharing our business and supporting us and all that. And I mean, we, our customer base is, I mean, the best. Um, they've, they've really been, I guess, helpful and, um, you know, patient with us. I mean, we've had hard times and gone through some, you know, struggles with certain products and they've helped us make it better and stuck with us until we got it right and stuff like that. So, um, we, we've got extremely patient customers that, you know, they want the good stuff. So they've, uh, especially through this COVID mess, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard. getting the materials and stuff we need. I mean, uh, we just sent an order out today that the customer, it was actually a dealer. I mean, a friend of mine, uh, hunted with them before. Uh, we actually take most of our dealers duck hunting if they want to come. So I get to know them on a personal basis. Um, sure. but he, uh, ordered his order in December and we shipped yeah. it today. Um, so that's extreme patient. So without our I, I, one, I, wonderful I dealers, um, I mean, I'm not in the outdoor industry, but I am, I am do handle the purchasing for all the company I work for. And it's a constant daily grind and stug- struggle to try to get material foreign or domestic right now. It doesn't matter. I mean, it is a grind and, the amount of hours that goes in right now for anybody in the in any industry trying to receive material and procure material, I mean, it, it's a daily, daily grind trying to just get stuff figured out. Yeah. Yeah. And our, um, I mean, our employees are second to nine. I mean, if you call in and talk to them, you'll see, I mean, they, they'll bend over backwards to help you and all that. And they, you know, they're all firm believer and, you know, our customer service and you know we wouldn't be where we were without it so um definitely 
definitely appreciate all our employees that definitely would wouldn't be anything without them sure and then how can we find you social media I'm, i i know you're on social media so yeah um southernlightled.com and southernmud.com um you uh, southern lights like miller light l-i-t-e but okay. southernlightled.com um just google search them they'll come up youtube videos we got some pretty cool if you're a big duck hunter and um bow fishermen we've got some good you know duck hunting videos and everything on both those pages so definitely can check those out i've seen some of the videos i mean the ones that catch my eye are you running some timber with a dog and the tail just wagging the ears just flapping i mean some of those are just great yeah yeah trying to get him to sit beside you while you're running timber <laughs> is impossible he will be up on the bow just looking for anything that's going to jump up <laughs> that's mine doesn't ride up on the bow but she'll sit there right behind the bow and she'll just have her head up in the wind and her ears are just a little flapping around and she's just that i mean that's her happy place running in that yep. boat with the wind in her face that is her happy place for sure yep definitely and then you're on instagram um southern southern light led and southern mud sports correct yep that's correct southern mud sports and southern light led facebook as well i'm assuming yep same on facebook facebook youtube that's about it we're no we're not doing any tweets or any of that no, stuff or, uh, I'm, not, I'm not part of that i'm not on pinterest either yeah no pinterest or what's the big one TikTok. we're not getting into any TikTok, even though everyone tells me we'll be huge on TikTok. i'm i'm staying out of that <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't jumped onto that ship either yet i've been i've been playing with instagram reels here and there and those things can be so hit or miss sometimes it's like one day you get it and like one day it's like you have this explosive reel and it's like yes and then the next day it's like no one saw one it's like what happened here like i don't get it yeah it used to be a lot different it has the game has changed i don't i don't i do not understand it i think they're I, suppressing a lot of the hunters <laughs> That, maybe that's it. I mean, maybe I'll have to come back and take a look at some of my videos to see which ones are doing better. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe the algorithm. Maybe I got to figure out how to get around the algorithm. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put you love animals or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, it was great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, everyone else, thanks for listening. As always, I can't do this without you, all you guys. And um, until next time, peace. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.